Welcome to Season 4 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Danielle Reynolds talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Proudly sponsored by All Play. If you're looking for a board game table, bag, playmat, or great board games, check them out at letsallplay.com. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed Inspiration to Publication, Episode 69, Smug Owls. Today, we are joined by the founders of the Tabletop Mentorship Program, as well as co-designers slash life partners, Mike Belsol and Grace Kendall. Thanks for being on the show, you two. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hoot hoot. <laughs> I still love that you signed in my box. Uh, I'm glad you gave a hoot, so that felt on point. <laughs> 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 oh man i'm so happy to have both of you on the show i know i've like wanted you on for a while and this felt like the right game for it but for anyone who doesn't know both of you would you mind just talking about how you got into the gaming industry uh sure i'll uh i'll start uh this is mike by the way um uh got started in the game industry oh boy okay how far back do we want to go so in 2015 <laughs> when he uh, was a young child that's right <laughs> uh we grace and i had attempted a through hike of the appalachian trail um, and, um, we made it all the way up to, uh, Vermont from Georgia, uh, which is a, a great accomplishment. It took us six months. And, um, after it was over, um, we were, we had been getting into the sort of the hobby game, uh, world, you know, we had brought Carcassonne with us on like an app and stuff. Uh, we're playing, um, like lost cities almost every day. Um, and so we thought like, oh, we should design a game about the trail. There's, you know, it seems built for a game. Uh, and then, so we made a game together, um, you know, put way too much work into it before actually playing it like any first time designer. And uh, then we sat down to play it and realized it would have taken longer to finish the trail in this game than the actual Appalachian Trail in real life. Oh, uh, <laughs> it just had no end. Um, and we were, I was baffled by that. I was like, why didn't that work? We are smart. We thought for a long time about it. It should have been perfect. Uh, and then I, you know, got into like, you know, sort of the idea of what game design is and theory and things like that and diving deep online into that kind of stuff. And that just, you know, opened up the, the wormhole of, uh, of what game design is. Meanwhile, I was like, well, that didn't work onto something else. And I didn't look at game design again for several years. I watched Mike build more and more prototypes of other games. And then he would, and you know, we spend like all of our time together. So we would inevitably like he'd come to me with questions or ideas these games he was working on and we'd brainstorm solutions or different ideas um so i just kept getting pulled back in to game design and we just like making stuff together so i just get pulled more and more into game design and then you know kind of found my own path there as well hey i love the fact that you got pulled in it sounds more like dragged in but i'm glad <laughs> that you like it and continue to like it well, awesome. So then for Smug Owls, what was the inspiration for this game? Clearly not a hike. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, for this game, uh, Mike and I had set a weird challenge to ourselves. We were going to a nerdy convention, not board game. Um, funny enough, there are other conventions. <laughs> and so we were going to this convention that had a gift exchange program. We'd like sign up for a box um, and everybody would give each other these little like secret Santa style gifts. And we were like, wouldn't it be cool if we designed some like bespoke games as our gifts to exchange with people? Um, so we were taking inspiration from a book series that we liked um, that had a riddle kind of mechanic in it where riddles were asked, but there was no right answer. And we were like, well, that could be a really interesting kind of source material for this game. 
Um, how can we turn that into a game? Uh, and so we just started putting lists of words together and figuring out how could you kind of randomly generate riddles um, and ended up with the game that is now Smug Owls. That is so cool. I also just love your DIY gift exchange idea. Like, no offense, that's what I would do when I was a child because I was like, oh, I'm good at drawing or making art. And so, like, I would just make all my gifts for people, which is great when someone's good at it, but also not great when someone's not good at it. So good thing your game was good. <laughs> oh, believe oh, me, some there of were others that were terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All I right. Think we designed, like, five different games and I think like most of them were like middle of the road. Okay. One of them was terrible and like we oh, probably no. shouldn't have given it to anybody, but like we were like, well, it's like it involved like Scrabble style letter tiles. We we're like, well, if nothing else, they'll probably just do something else with the tiles. I'm convinced, you know, we gave all these people board games. They were not expecting board games. I don't know if anybody played these games, but like, you know, we just wanted to make them. Uh, it was satisfying to just have that challenge and do the creation, but but Smug Owls stood out to us like immediately. We were like, oh, this is actually like a good game. This is like something that could be a game. Uh, so <laughs> we we immediately treated it with a different reverence than the other the other stuff, which is why it's, it's fun just to make stuff and see what comes of it. Oh, for sure. And then for anyone who hasn't played your game, would you mind going over the rules? Yeah, sure. So um, it's a super simple party game. Um, there's a uh, two decks of cards. One deck is a uh, bunch of riddle parts. So a bunch of verbs like um, is green, flies, um, breaks, things like that. Uh, and then the other deck is conjunctions. So and, but, um, as soon as it, after it, when it, that kind of stuff. Um, you shuffle up both decks separately. Um, you split the riddle parts into two decks on either side of the conjunctions. Uh, and then you throw down the what card and the question mark card as sort of bookends um, to the riddle. Uh, then you flip out one card from each pile. So um, actually, I have the game in front of me. Um, I thought it'd be fun. The easiest way to explain it is to actually play. Um, <laughs> All right. Sounds you ready? like I, Yeah, I, I mean, I'm ready as I can be. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, so I'm going to flip these cards. Uh, normally in the game, when you have an answer to the riddle, you'll put your hand on the table. Um, and the person who is doesn't think of an answer without their hand on the table, they become the smug owl uh, and judge everybody. Uh, since we're doing this audio, I guess just say... Uh, hoot hoot if you think of an answer oh you don't want me to like slap my table like <laughs> just really aggressive <laughs> well I don't know if that would be you or Grace I don't know your hand versus Grace's All hand right, noises. fair enough <laughs> alrighty what is hot because it freezes interesting what is hot because it freezes oh I got one hoot hoot a hoot hoot I have one as well. Oh, I guess I'm the smug owl. <laughs> Interesting. All right, let's go. Give it to me. All right, Grace, you go first since you got it first. Uh, so my answer is a paparazzi's photo. <laughs> hmm. Oh, that's good. Uh, but not as good as this. Uh, anything uh, dipped into uh, liquid nitrogen. I'm going to go with Grace. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, not to say yours isn't clever. I just, I wouldn't have thought of Grace's. Yeah. No, Grace usually yeah. wins the, I would never have thought of that award. Um, <laughs> it's See, totally cause my brain kept going for like an attractive female superhero with ice powers. And I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to win this if I use that. Cause I was thinking, yeah. And that's why I was trying to think harder about being clever. And I was like, ah, oh. 
Oh, no, that's so good, though. That's a great answer. Damn, all right, I should have gone for that. That was fun. Next time. (laughs) People always doubt their answers, but, like, it's always the people who doubt their answers and then share it at the end. You're like, oh, man, that would have (laughs) won. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, so as a smug owl, then you have the three cards um, that made the riddleless points, and you can split them up however you want. All right, you Mike, give you get all three one, to one player. Grace, oh. you get two. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's very generous that I got even a point. <laughs> so thank you. And there you go. That's the whole game. You Basically, according to the rules, you play um, eight times, and then whoever has the most cards wins the game. And, you know, it's a party game, so you just keep playing. I was going to say, or if you are me and my friends, we just play until we have the, it's the conjunctions, the middle deck. Yeah. Yeah, until that one runs out. That's typically uh, how we play. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I will say I've never won the game. I've only gotten second place every time by one card, and it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Someday I'll win. <laughs> You got to trust your uh, sexy, freezy superhero ideas more. <laughs> that or I need to have a crowd that would vote for it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Knowing your yeah. audience is so much of oh a party game. Honestly, though. Yeah, I feel like I always get like the one point. I'm, very rarely does someone give out, I feel, two points to one person unless it's just like a really, really good answer. Yeah. If- I feel like anytime you can walk away with all three, uh, so the riddle parts become the points then that the smug owl distributes. And if you can ever walk away with all three points, uh, then you just feel like a champion. And it doesn't matter if you ever get any more answers uh, awarded. <laughs> oh, yeah. for sure. And the points are so like, they're just a reflection of what you think. I've given away points that I've earned to answers I thought was good when I wasn't the smug owl, um, which is <laughs> one of my favorite. Oh, absolutely. Where I'm just like, oh, that was too good. It blows everyone out of the world. I'm giving you a point. For sure. God damn it, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) How's thrilling your own game? Oh, you're ridiculous. (laughs) You kind of play however you want, you know? Oh my gosh. All right. Well, so when you were working on this game, like what kind of changes did you have while playtesting and developing? Oh man, that's such a good question. Uh, So many changes um, that ended up not working. Um, Grace and I were talking about this actually in preparation because I have a famously bad memory and we're trying to figure out like, what we were, you know, what the timeline was and all that kind of stuff. But um, the game as published is pretty, I think it's identical except for the owl figure uh, to uh, the game that we made initially. Um, And, you know, it was just very kind of a simple idea inspired by a few people um, that we had come across, you know, in our sort of game design travels. Um, Bez, um, from Stuff by Bez uh, was a big inspiration for me um, as sort of following the fun of the game and, you know, making sure multiple people feel good about um, playing it. Um, but but it all kind of came fully formed. And then playtesting it was really just like what words are good, what, you know, phrases or conjunctions don't work um, with this sort of like uh, the system. And uh, we did try a bunch of different ways to sort of like you know, like how could people answer? Could they draw their answer or could they, you know, write out their answers they don't forget? Or should there even be a judge? Should it just be, you know, maybe everyone has an answer at points? Should it be timed? We tried so many different ways to make this game, um, to find maybe if there was a better way to do it or deliver the fun. Um, and then ended up with kind of the realization that actually the first way we did it was the most fun. It gets the biggest response. It's the easiest simplest form of delivering this riddle system uh and so thankfully uh gwen and sam of runaway parade games who published the game uh super agreed to that (laughs) 
Yeah, I feel like that's always kind of hard with these types of games because, like, do you want a whiteboard where you can write your answer? Because I know we've definitely come up with a lot of people having the same answer or, like, very similar answers. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, this person just happened to say it before this other person. But I feel like since you can distribute the cards separately, it's kind of nice in the way that if, like, two people did have the same answer and you like them both, you just give them each a card. Yeah, and there's also opportunities for people to change their answer since it's not committed to a whiteboard. So if, you know, somebody took yours, you're like, okay, well, I also have this one in my back pocket. Uh, or I've seen the Smug Owl challenge people to um, art- further articulate their answer if there were two that were, like, similar and kind of, like, defend it to earn the points, which is fun, too. Yeah, I've, we also see people, like, narrow it down more, you know? And, like, I, we were playing this with a group the other day, um, and someone had said, like, if the, the the question was something like what explodes when it freezes and someone said like uh you know soda can and then the next person goes uh coke can you know like it's just like just kept going like a oh glass bottle of coke you know like everyone clearly had the same Beer answer can. yeah exactly <laughs> just trying to outdo each other which is which is i love when that happens <laughs> so funny which beverage yeah. explodes the best i win <laughs> that's right <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And so then how did you end up getting your game with Runaway Games with Sam and Gwen? Boy, that's a long story. Um, this uh, game I'll, went through a lot yeah. of potential publishers. Um, yeah, I think Mike has the timeline, actually. Yeah, so in uh, so we thought of the game, you know, created the game in 2018. Um, and just by happenstance, uh, initially, one person who I was in the same uh, playtesting Discord with, they happened to be a publisher. They saw my call out for playtesting for this riddle game and the riddle part intrigued them. And so they played it really liked it and then started preparing a contract, um, which was super exciting. Uh, but, uh, but it took them a long, long time to get it together. Like I think a year or, or so, um, oh, wow. you know, small independent companies, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, we weren't too hurt by it. We just kind of kept pitching it and stuff and seeing who was interested and, um, Eventually, somebody else was. They they ended up signing it. Um, they ended up uh, folding, which was unfortunate. Uh, and then we got the game back to us. And, Perils uh, of the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the game kind of just sat, and we you know been playing it with tons of people and our friends and things like that. Uh, and then eventually, um, someone had approached us and was like, "Hey, you remember that game? Uh, that riddle game you had?" He's like, "I want to publish it." Like you know next month basically put it as part of this sort of kickstarter collection um and we were just like okay fine no one else has since you know um approached us about it and so this seemed like a good idea and you know who knows when the next opportunity is going to come up so you kind of just take what you get but it just so happened that like i don't know like a week after that point where um you know we were still kind of deciding what we're going to do uh gwen and sam of runaway parade uh really great friends of ours um uh, had played a version of it uh, at a convention. I showed them at like a bar late night or something. And they were like, hey, um, whatever happened with that riddle game? You know, like we we can't stop thinking about it after playing it. And, you know, we know it didn't go with that one person. Uh, but, you know, if it's still available, we'd love to publish it. And we were just like, Grace and I just like, we're screaming. We were so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that so much. No, because yeah. I know all of you got along before having the game with them anyway. So yeah, we really loved their work. And like, we knew they would, they would take their time with it. It was like really interesting that the two offers we were between 
you know, legitimately one person was like, I'm going to have this out in a month. And the other people were like, we're going to move slowly and it might take us two years, you know? So radically different timelines, um, both scary and exciting for different reasons. Um, but it's been such a joy working with Gwen and Sam. Their games are so beautiful. They're the, I think the only publisher we talked to that brought a, an external theme to it. We had been calling it Riddle Me This for years. Um, that was what the game was. Um, and it, you know, everybody was just like going to put question marks on it and stuff. Like that's all we had thought of as well. And then Gwen and Sam were like, oh, let's, you know, let's apply a theme to this, um, which brought in the owls with this gorgeous art. And it's just, it's so much better for it. No, I do really love their art style. And I think it's super cool that they continue on with all their games, having a very similar style and it's their dad, Gwen's dad, right? Yeah. That does all of it. Yeah. Yep, he does. He's a he's a pretty well known artist in, in his community, and um, it's funny when uh, you know he does all the art for their games, um, and it's like all this beautiful like you know kind of watercolor stuff. If you've seen Fire Tower and how that looks, um, and then for our game, it's a bunch of cartoons. And Gwen told us later that like um, he wanted to be a cartoonist uh, apparently at some point in his youth, and um, you know uh, this kind of game gave an opportunity to sort of express that side of him that he always wanted to do and like all the cards have like um uh, different backs you know there's like several uh, vignettes of cartoons and stuff of these owls uh doing things to make question marks around them like mm-hmm. one of them is you know playing the banjo and the notes are question marks and things like that um it's really adorable i, I love it so much <laughs> that is so cute did you get any say in like what the game got called or the theming of it yeah, we um, we all kind of kept pitching ideas back and forth. They had told us that they wanted to kind of come up with a, a, an additional theme to it, you know, that it, it didn't have a theme before. Um, it just was more abstract. And so I think we all went back and forth by email uh, for a while. I remember at one point Mike and I pitched, um, we were like wrote this really long email about why like Alice in Wonderland was like the perfect like <laughs> common use theme for something like this. Um, and they had they had been into what well, I think Sage Bear was like there. Yeah, yeah. Sage Bear was was their idea of like you know, which is in the same realm as kind of smug owls, you know, like sort of adjective bear or whatever, uh, or adjective animal. Um, yeah, and so yeah, like Grace said, we sent all this uh, this manifesto about why <laughs> Allison wanted that was going to be perfect, and then we met them at the next convention. I forget which one it was, but you know, we were kind of talking about it. And like, you know, kind of going over our points of the email. And then we, Grace and I had mentioned that like, yeah, and we also thought about, you know, like if, if you don't like Owls in Wonderland, I don't know, we also thought about something like Smug Owls. And they, like, like them asking us for the game, they exploded. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God, Smug Owls, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. You know, it's like these two words versus yeah. the thousand I sent about like, you know, why this is the exact <laughs> right thing. But I'm so glad that they that they uh like that one because it's clearly the the right right choice yeah (laughs) it is super cute it's funny because like i wouldn't have thought like oh game about riddles small gals yeah but like when you see it and you play it it feels right yeah Yeah, it's nice that it's something a little outside i feel like the kind of cliche associations with riddles which would have been really easy to do as well um so i'm grateful for just the creativity of it because i feel like some of that might turn people off i think sometimes we sneak people into play because they don't know it's going to be riddles <laughs> and some people are like whoa, whoa whoa i'm not i'm not a riddle person um but then they're thinking of you know 
wild and ridiculous answers like everybody else within a minute so it's so true and so then like now the game debuted at origins how is it doing um it's doing great so far um we um we got our first royalty report uh, <laughs> which <laughs> we feel is very cool. fancy yeah that's right um we uh yeah no it, i mean by all accounts it's doing great it's um you know retailers are ordering it which is exciting um uh and every you know we had sold some pre-orders before um before actually releasing the game um and we had sold i think over the course of a couple of cons like 200 or so uh pre-orders is that right grace something like that something like that yeah which feels amazing uh <laughs> so even before people like you know could walk away with it we just had like sort of our prototype uh, and they're like oh yeah send this to me whenever it's done you know so so yeah it's doing great yeah i'm really excited i think this is the because again all of our like previous stuff has been either very indie or very diy and so this is already the like largest number of copies sold for any game um that has our name on it for sure oh that's so cool i love that so much so then okay Sounds like this experience was good. I mean, minus the taking a long time with the publisher switching, but then it ended up with the right people because it started in 2018, you said, and it just came out like a month or so ago. So yeah, <laughs> in, yeah in 2023, <laughs> bit of a process. But um, from the journey for each of you, do you have like a favorite and a least favorite experience? Ooh. When we had designed the game really early on, we were traveling the world and we were playtesting it with a family in Australia that we were staying with. Um, and they were like a very science-minded family. They came up with like the coolest answers to these riddles. They were so excited, loved the game, or were helping us out with like other prototypes and stuff too. So we had like a really cool bonding experience with them. And then as we were leaving, um, it was right before the winter holidays and they had like an advent calendar that was socks clothes pinned to a line across their living room. And so we left them, I think, the first physical prototype of um, it was riddle me this at the time, um, but of, of smug owls as the um, their like final present before Christmas. Um, so that like memory warms my heart a little bit. It was really fun sharing some of the early like play testing with people. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you? What's your special memory? <laughs> oh, I was just living in that for a second. Um, <laughs> I had kind of forgotten about that. Again, bad memory. Thank you, Grace, for bringing that up. Um, uh, similarly, mine is actually in Australia as well. Um, so we had met um, some other designers while there because uh, we actually were there in time for PAX Australia, which was pretty cool. Um, and so met some other local designers uh, and um, they, they took me out to a bar uh, in Melbourne and um, I was, you know, we we're kind of showing prototypes or whatever. And I was showing them my uh, riddle me this prototype. because It's really easy to pull out at like a bar. It's just a deck of cards. And um, as we're playing it and, you know, slapping our hands on the table and all giving answers and laughing at some point, like, I don't know, five or so minutes into playing this game, a different hand hits the table. <laughs> and uh, it was the table next to us. Someone there was like, oh, I got one. You know, like they had just heard us playing it and knew we immediately had to play um had something for it and we're not restricted to join it you know what i mean like it i think at that moment i realized like oh snap this game is like infectious like it you because there are no cards for anyone to hold 
as far as like, oh, this is my answer. Let me play that card. It's all coming from you. So literally anybody could walk past it, hear it, and then, you know, the human brain just wants to solve things. Uh, and so you kind of are going to come up with one anyway as soon as you hear the question. So you might as well join in and play. And, you know, then strangers are becoming friends. And I don't know. That was really cool to me. And I, I held on to that. Um, I think that was my favorite, uh, one of my favorite moments from uh, making the game. I feel like that's an awesome moment. I love when random people just interact with my game, even if it's just like asking, like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. But that's even better to have someone just slap down their hand on your table. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, then, all right, flip side, then, what would you say is your least favorite experience? Was it playtesting? What, like, what, what part was it? Probably for me, when the publisher went under during the pandemic, um, we had, you know, it had already been a long journey for the game to get signed at that point, And we had been so optimistic. It was a really, it was, it was going places. It felt like, you know, they already had games in Barnes and Noble and like, that's where they wanted to get our game. And so it was really ambitious and really exciting. And so when that fell apart and we had already, you know, we'd already gone through all the pitching process and all of that. So to think like, oh, now we have to start over and remember who we already reached out to that wasn't interested. And, you know, like you just have to start all over, which was really, yeah, I guess, a low moment in the journey of the game, which is why we just sat on it for a while and just kind of we didn't really reapproach that process. We just kind of considered it. It had run its course. You know, it had a good run and it was done now. Um, but we had gotten some some great advice early on to put a um a like non-publication fee in our contract so at least we got paid a little bit um which you know softens the blow a little but not not my favorite experience for sure yeah definitely a good tip for uh for new designers put in a uh non-publication fee into your contract okay um, i'm not gonna lie i don't even know what that is would you mind telling me oh yeah because oh, i feel like sure. i probably messed up and should have put that in some uh, of my contracts Uh-oh. <laughs> well so uh, basically it's a non-publication fee or a kill fee you'll sometimes hear it called essentially when you sign your game with a, a company and then they agree to make it if they don't make it um and this is usually in the case where you don't get an advance um if they don't make it then they'll pay you a fee basically for them having held the game um and uh, not allowing you to you know put bring it to a company that would have published it right yeah so it's like a negotiated flat fee that's stated in the contract I feel like they're usually around like $500, but obviously yeah. varies by publisher and project. Um, but yeah, you just put it in the contract up front um, so that if something happens and we've had this happen more than once, so we're, <laughs> it's really paid out for us. <laughs> um, yeah. So if something happens to the company and they just choose not to publish it or they're no longer a company, uh, you still get something for the time that you've sat on it and the work you've done. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've had it where it's like, here's an advance and it's like, we're not going to take the money back, which I just kind of assumed was what you described, but they're two separate things. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But it, but it's one in lieu of the other, you know, you don't usually use do both. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was on top of like getting an advance. I mean, no. if you can negotiate yeah. that A plus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sure this is where my, I was just like, shot, I am you know? blown away. I was like, how have I not heard about this? Like, why did I not do? Okay. This makes more sense if it's normally one or the other. Yeah. yeah. Especially okay. for like smaller companies that may not have the money for an advance. Um, it's a, a kind of a way to protect yourself there. 
Okay, this makes a lot more sense. Thank you for clearing that up. And I hope everyone else who just heard this got something out of it like I did. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, well then, uh, besides that awesome advice, do you have any other pieces of advice? Like if you both get one piece of advice to offer to new designers, what would it be? Make stuff because it's fun, not because you're trying to make money. I know there's, you know, a variety of schools of thought there and people who are doing this as like a day job definitely have to worry about like making money but um I feel like the tabletop game design community can be really like industry focused on is your game marketable and you know have you allotted for the right number of cards for sales and you can get bogged down in those details really early on especially if you're in like the online play testing groups and stuff I've gotten a lot of advice to those sorts of ends um but to me, the most fun, the most satisfying, and in the end, the best games that I've worked on have just been made because I wanted to make them because I thought they were fun. Um, so don't discount fun as a major motivator for making stuff. Mike? Uh, I'm trying to think of something different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I Kind of uh, kind of leaping off of that a little bit. Um, yeah, this is, I guess, uh, it's in the same way like, for I mean, I guess this is advice for new designers. Um, recognize where you're getting advice from and who's giving that advice. Um, and that will kind of uh, contextualize it a bit as far as how it might apply to you and your game. Um, you know, if you are, um, yeah, like if you're making a game just for you and your friends and you're getting all this advice about, like Grace was talking about, you know, oh, you know, a publisher wouldn't do this and this will never go anywhere. It's like, well, okay, but I'm not trying to get it to go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. Just keep being you. Keep creating. <laughs> I don't know if I have any, like, great advice uh, other than just, like, be confident about what you want to do um, and don't try to let people push you into things that you don't want to do or don't care about. No, I think that's good advice. I mean, because publishers can push your game in certain directions to fit what they're looking for, and then maybe they don't sign it, or even playtesters might try to take it over. I mean, I think that's good advice. Yeah, stand on your old two feet and trust your instincts and know what you want out of your game, whether it's to make money or to just <laughs> enjoy the process. Yeah, and and both can be totally valid. Like, Grace is such an interesting uh, game designer uh, because once the game is designed, Grace is like, I'm out. <laughs> and I usually am the like play tester of, of the co-design partnership. <laughs> oh, and so like, funny. you know, Grace is like not usually, doesn't usually want to be involved in that. And so like signing a game and handing it over to someone uh, is like, dream. yeah, as Grace is like perfect dream, like, great, it's yours. Don't talk to me again until it's done. You know, like yeah. I think. Hats off to all developers out there. I do not envy that job one bit. (laughs) Y'all have got your work cut out for you. And I am here for fast iteration and fun theme and (laughs) get in, get out. (laughs) That's so funny. Honestly, Grace, I'm very similar to you. But it's like I enjoy devving other people's things. But I Mm. feel like all designers should have someone else like helping with the development. Mm -hmm. They don't need to like completely pass it off. But you definitely should always have like a second opinion or set of eyes on stuff because there's some things you can miss. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. definitely. And that's what works well with us as a design partnership is, you know, we're both differently minded in that way. And Grace is usually good at catching where the fun is and, and getting to there. Um, whereas I tend to be more like, you know, does this make sense, you know, kind of mechanically. 
uh, focused. So yeah, and I guess that's another piece of advice is like, if you're stuck, find a person who, you know, may want to help you or, you know, a design partner or something that can compliment you. I 100% agree. I've started doing more co-design stuff and it's great. It gives mm-hmm. me accountability. It gives me like a person to bounce ideas off of. It gives me like someone who can go pitch games to publishers when my schedule has gotten too packed, which I, that's going to be Gen Con. <laughs> um, that's awesome. But yeah, no, I think it's really great. And finding someone who thinks differently, but also you complement each other is, yes. is good. Yeah, definitely. And if you have a partner who isn't into designing games, clearly you can just slowly but surely um, pull them in. (laughs) Then then, uh, you'll be a published game designer in no time. (laughs) I thought this was like a romantic advice for a second. I was like, so what you're telling me is I can find someone and then slowly bring them into games. Okay, it was not that good. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) This is so funny. Oh, man. All right. Well, then for you two, do you have any projects that fans should be looking out for coming out, signed, anything you can talk about? Yeah, Grace, you do it. (laughs) Uh, So we just signed another party game um, that we're really excited about called, it's tentatively called Bullseye. I don't know what it'll be called because as we've previously established, I'm fully checked out of the process now that I'm no longer responsible for the design. Um, But it's a cooperative kind of guessing game um, where you're all working together to help a one member of your team figure out what a secret word is, but one letter at a time. Um, so that, fingers crossed, should be coming out next year. Um, publications taking the time they want. And then we have a fun little, every year Mike and I do a um, Halloween Kickstarter um, and kickstart some kind of silly little game. And so this year we'll be kickstarting a two-player card game called Ghost Peppers. Ooh, very nice. I'm from yeah. Arizona, so I'm familiar with the ghost pepper. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Are we sending food again? <laughs> Am I going to get a ghost pepper? <laughs> we oh, my gosh. Because no. usually, usually we send candy as part of the package. I think we're going to have to find, like, those hot candies. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They have some that are, like, spicy, like, like jawbreaker kind of candies, I think. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do that. That's a good idea. We'll have to figure that out. <laughs> You're right. I didn't think about like mailing people chili peppers. That might make the mail weird to handle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just a bit. But I mean, like it, it felt on brand just as being one of the people that have backed your random uh, Halloween Kickstarters. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm expecting when I open that that's up. It. Like if I accidentally touch my eyes after touching your game, are we going to have problems? Yeah, that seems a little too dangerous, maybe. <laughs> oh, we had one person write to us after our last campaign it was like um so we didn't know that there was uh, candy in it and uh, we left uh for about two weeks uh and w- during that two weeks it was delivered Melted. to our home no it was full of ants oh, no. <laughs> ants had gotten into the packaging <laughs> and like they took it inside opened it up and just like you know like you basically like an ant and then another and then like 10 you know oh. <laughs> i felt so bad <laughs> I mean, or you got them supplies towards their future ant farm family. <laughs> That's right. Stretch go, baby. <laughs> the stretch go you didn't know you wanted until you got it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Amazing. I yeah. love that. Well, not for them, but for me and entertainment values. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. 
All right. Well, then for my final question, completely unrelated to the game you designed, if you could have been the designer of any game, what would it be for both of you? I'm avoiding the typical cheater answer of like um, Uno, you know, and being like a billionaire. Actually, or no one has said Uno, <laughs> but they have done it with like Monopoly or Ticket Ride. So right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mike loves um, to answer questions like that with the cheater answer, which is just like, well, in this world, does that mean that I'm also German and a billionaire? And you're like, that's yeah. not the question. Uh, but my serious answer, I think, is um, it's got to be Alchemists. It's my favorite game in the world um, that no one will play. Uh, Grace will do it about once every year, uh, which oh, is no, great. Why? Oh, Because it's... I have to have forgotten the experience of playing it the last year. And then oh. by the time I've forgotten, I'm like, all right, it can't be that bad. We pull it out. There's always a point in Alchemist. Alchemist is one of those games that like also requires an app so that you can do the math. And, you know, like Mike is teaching me this game. He's like, all right, you have to understand the fundamental math of this puzzle. If you don't understand that, we can't play <laughs> the game. It's like so complicated. But it's great if you, you know, forget how much pain it cost you the last time you played it. Yeah, it's it's like a deduction game, worker placement, but it's also a satire of academia. Um, it's by Czech Games Edition, and they they're always so funny with like their Euro games. They're just like, I don't know, it's like the funniest rule book I've ever read, um, and it just plays so wonderfully. It's, it hits all my buttons, uh, but it is long. It takes like two or so hours to play, and then, like Grace says, inevitably at some point in the game, you have this little sheet you're working on your deduction. <laughs> at some point in the game you're gonna have to tear it up because you realize you made a mistake somewhere and now you have to redo all your logic um and so that's like the frustrating part of it um but uh but it's just so fun i love all that we Aww. always hit that part and it's just like all right take 10 i gotta start this over <laughs> everybody go get a drink that's hilarious. Okay, well, I mean, I'm willing to try it for you for your birthday or something. <laughs> we really sold scary. you on it here. I mean, I kind of want to try it because I like all the things you said mechanically that make yes. it up. But I don't know because like, okay, Grace, what's what's your answer? Let's see if I'll play your game instead. <laughs> oh, yeah, my answer is going to be... Um, there's a game from a Japanese designer that's called Yura Yura Penguin. Uh, it's a dexterity game. Um, it was a Kickstarter project that had like a bajillion different tiny wooden penguin meeples. Um, and you're trying to stack them on top of coasters and these beautifully jagged cut icebergs. So you're stacking up a very tall tower uh, and just trying not to let it fall over. Uh, whoever knocks it over is the loser and everybody else is the winner, which I think is really fun. Uh, it's just such a beautiful game. It's so silly and joyful. Um, and I like, I've never had a bad time playing it with anybody. So to be able to make a game like that, that just makes everybody so happy. That's, that's the goal. I love it. I feel like that would have been the follow-up game after playing Smug Owls at the bar. <laughs> a few drinks in, that's the game you play. Yeah, then you're like picking up penguins all over the sticky bar floor. <laughs> mm, I retract my statement. <laughs> well, sounds fun. Sounds less painful, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely faster. <laughs> I would guess so, Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, you two and everyone who is listening, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, episode 69, Smug Owls. And thanks again, Mike and Grace. If anyone's trying to find you online, where can you be reached? 
nowhere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just, just, we live in the woods. <laughs> uh, no, that's, uh, yeah, no, we don't, I don't, I don't have Twitter or anything like that. Um, my Facebook, I don't know how you'll find me there. I think it's all locked down. So we've been removing ourselves from social media, but we're trying to open our house up as a bed and breakfast. So maybe in a, a month's time, we'll be online as the tabletop in on social media networks near you. Yeah. Beautiful. And then what about your organization that you've got going? What can people reach you through that? Uh, yeah. The tabletop mentorship program. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, um, a website, we have an email. Um, the program's on a, uh, sort of a hiatus at the moment as we try to uh, restructure, uh, it kind of grew beyond our control, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, our last session had like 140 some odd mentorships, uh, which is a lot for, uh, you know, just us. And um, so we're going to try to reframe it to see if we can um, be more effective at, uh, you know, uh, trying to make connections with people who really, you know, it's like a service that clearly people want and need. Uh, and we want to make sure we're doing it justice. Very cool. And yeah, for anyone listening, highly recommend when this comes back in, if that is something you're interested, you should check it out because I did and it definitely helped me get to where I am today. So thanks to you two. I'm where I am. Yay. Yay. (laughs) I could take 0.002% of the credit. Uh, You can have more than that (laughs) for sure. You are a beast, an absolute beast. Yeah, you're a Uh, champion. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah, and anyone who wants to follow me apparently being a beast, uh, you can find me (laughs) on social media at TokenGamer, G-A-Y-M-E-R, on Instagram and Twitter, especially if you like seeing me like playtest or prototype things or my cats. They appear a lot on my Instagram stories that kind of leak into my Facebook. So definitely check me out. But you two, this was a blast. I enjoy your game and I enjoy you both. So good luck with the future games. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. Yeah, thank you, Danielle. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for joining Danielle for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. And if you're looking for a great board game, bag, play bat, or gaming table, Check out All Play at Let'sAllPlay.com. Join us next time.